You can turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. Ephesians, chapter number 4. I'm going to speak this evening on a very unusual topic. I told you a couple of weeks ago the title. Uh, the title is How to Leave a Church. How to Leave a Church. And uh, I actually talked to several pastors, uh, you know, just trying to get some wisdom and advice uh, from men that have been in the ministry much longer than me. And the general advice that I got was, don't preach on that. <laughs> That's basically what they said. They're like, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd preach on that, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, one, one guy, uh, actually Matt, today I was mentioning to him what I was preaching on. He's like, I have never in my life heard a message on that. And I said, well, you know, the, the, the way I look at it is somebody uh, at some time is going to leave. Uh, and if somebody's going to leave a church, they're, they're going to leave the church. I think it would be beneficial to have some biblical principles to guide that step, to guide the actions, and uh, that we do it correctly uh, from, from both sides. But I did, I did meet with a lot of uh, uh, you know, questions and comments, even from men in the ministry for many years. It just I've never heard of that, never even thought about it. And I said, well... I hadn't really either until it was presented to me. The question was given to me, like, what do you do when you leave a church? How should you leave a church? What's the right way to do it? And uh, I believe there, there is some thoughts that we can glean. Looking at Word of God this evening, Ephesians chapter number 4, we see here uh, some truths given to us regarding the church and God's love for the church and how he has set it up to function in a group of people that are fitly joined together. He describes here in Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 16. He says, And I gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints in the work of the ministry. That's what the church is. It's a group of people that are brought together and God has established and set some to lead and to guide the people and to uh, expound the scriptures for the uh, perfecting of the saints to accomplish and to perform the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ, verse number 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith. We should come together in unity. Our faith should be something that binds us and holds us together. We should be unified on the truths of the word of God. He says, and of the knowledge of the sin, uh, sorry, of the son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children, you guys recognize this verse, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Verse number 16, he says, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. By that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Many, many truths given to us in these verses about the church and how we're put together and how God expects the church to function in unity, how each body, each joint, everything works together to accomplish God's purpose and uh, God brings to a church uh, I believe, as it describes this idea of being fitly joined, I believe God brings to a church people that that church needs to be able to f fulfill and accomplish what God's plan is for that group. And then at the same time, they bring those people to the church because they need what that church is in their life at that time. And, and God puts those things together. He fitly joins the church. And 
if as Christians we are seeking the Lord and following after God and pursuing His will in the church that we're in, we know that uh, God has put us there. The church is and should be a vital and important part of the Christian life. It should be central to our faith and our continued walk with God. The church is to be the pillar and the ground of truth. It is established that, of course, Christ is the head of the church and that the church is to submit to Him in all things. The Word of God is the standard and the final authority for our faith and practice. And you see a church that might be doing these things, and one might wonder, why would anybody want to leave such a church? If a church is fulfilling those things, and I agree, certainly we're not, we're not going to get into it tonight, but there are causes, there are reasons to uh, leave a church if a church is... Uh, left or departed from the faith, if a church has stopped preaching uh, salvation by grace and faith in in Jesus Christ alone, if a church has stopped holding up the cross and stopped uh, reaching the lost, if a church has stopped preaching the Bible, I spoke with somebody recently and they described a service that they went to that the entire message was about football. Nothing against football, but they said that the whole message, that's what the message was, it was just football. And, uh, well, the church, if that's what they're, they're doing, then that's not what church is. And there may be cause or reason to uh, leave a church if a church stops preaching the truth, if they stop winning the lost, or if they stop uh, the leadership or as a, a practice, they stop living a biblical example before the people. God has called the leaders of a church to be an example to the flock. And uh, they should be living as a biblical example and, and doing what's right. It's one thing, a guy might be completely right on his doctrine, but if he's out gambling on the weekend and, and he's, uh, you know, uh, his kids are out of control and run, running rampant and him and his wife don't get along and, you know, to solve all that, he's, he's taking a bunch of drugs to deal with his own issues. And, I mean, if, 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 if that's his life, then he's not fulfilling the biblical requirements. And so there's reasons, but we're not really going to preach on those tonight because I believe there are times that uh, God moves somebody from a good church to another good church. There's just that that does happen. Although these uh, we see that in the scripture several times, we see Paul who was continually moved as a church planter, but he was continually moved from one place to another. God had a plan for him, and he would go and he would establish a work, and Paul's calling was to move on to the next place and establish somebody to lead that work as a, as a missionary, as a church planter. He fulfilled that call, but we also see in Elisha or Elijah's life how God told him several times to get to a particular place. Uh, he said uh, there just after he prayed uh, that it would not rain for three years, that God said, okay, well, I want you to go get to the brook. And I will feed thee there, he said. He said, I'll feed thee there. He had a place that he was supposed to be. And I believe that is very applicable to us in our spiritual life. I believe there's places that God wants us to be. And that's where his plan is going to be fulfilled in our life. He said, I'll feed thee there. And I don't know why. I mean, obviously, God could have continued to allow the ravens to bring food to him. God could have continued to allow the water to flow there. But God said, no. Hey, it's time for you to get up, and I want you to go to the widow of Zarephath, and I will feed thee there. So God said, hey, it's time for you to take a step. I want you to move to here. And and there are times in Christians' lives that whether things happen sometimes in our lives uh, that the Lord brings into our life, situations, the the hunts are here in our church uh, 
by and large because there was a family need that brought them to this area of the country. As a, as a, and I believe it's important that children take care of their parents. And I believe that's a responsibility and that's given to us by God. And, and that need was present. And they said, well, we've got to go to that part of the country. Let's find a good church. And uh, they ended up coming, coming here and we're thrilled to have them. But that, I'm saying there's things that happen in our lives sometimes that move us about and we've got to be willing to follow the Lord. Now, I do believe there are reasons that God moves a Christian. At the same time, you want to be uh, a stable Christian. You want to be committed. You don't want to just move around. You don't want to move until God leads you to move. Following the Lord and his plan for your life. Many times people want to move to a new place because of difficulty, challenges, personality conflicts, things like that. Uh, Sometimes people want to move to a new place because they're under the misconception that a new location will fix their problems. But that's not true. New location does, just brings new problems. You know, you still have, I mean, it's amazing the different situations that I've seen over the years and people feel like, well, if I just move over here, it's going to fix all that. Well, now you also have all of the expense that you've added to your family and to your relationship because now you've, you're paying for the money you lost on this house and the money it's going to cost to move and to get reestablished in a new location. And now you have all that stress added to and got to find a new job down there and all kinds of things, you know, that very rarely does a move help things. I mean, it does occasionally, but you need to be led by the Lord to make those moves and, and only do it in God's time. Now, the Bible does not have a set procedure given to us about leaving a church. In fact, if we were to look at the early church, much of, and even much of history, if you were going to attend a different church, you would have to move to a new town. You know, there, there, there wasn't the churches like we have today, where you can just pick, take your pick, you know, decide what you like, because there's lots of options. And even still, in, in much of the world, there's people that are praying that they could have one decent church in their city. One church that was preaching the truth. One church where they could go and sit and hear the gospel preached and hear the Bible taught. We were spoiled in this country. One pastor said that the way you leave a church reveals your spiritual temperature. The steps that you take and how you leave a church. So tonight I'm going to give you a few thoughts, just biblical principles. First, I want you to see the principles that should govern you. If you're going to leave a church, and hopefully never this one, but uh, if the day comes and the time when you're, you're at a place and, and you need to leave a church or somebody you know or love is like, well, hey, I, need, I, I think it's time for me to make a move, what should I do? I want to give you some biblical principles that, should, that you should use to guide you. Okay, first of all, you have the principle of keeping your word. The Bible's very clear Uh, on the principle and the aspect of covenants and promises. In Numbers chapter 30, verse number 2, he says, If a a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath, to bind his soul with bond, he shall not break his word, he shall do according to all that proceeded out of his mouth. We know that God holds the vow, the commitments that we make, to a very high standard. That we are to fulfill those. Deuteronomy 2321 says, When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it, for the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it will be sin 
in thee. If you break that vow, it's a sin. So the Bible is clear with regards to our covenants and promises. And the second point, we're going to deal with the practical aspect of that because we're going to talk about practical things that uh, should guide us. So I'm going to expound on this a little bit further. But, beloved, we should be trustworthy. Our words should be our bond. Commitments that we make should be followed through and kept. And you say, well, obviously, we're talking about those vows, vows to God, that should be kept. But even vows to men. The Bible says in uh, James, the book that we just finished studying, James chapter 5, he says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. When we make a commitment to a church or to a group or to some people, then we need to fulfill and follow through with those commitments. And we'll deal with the practical aspect of that in a a little bit. But as far as principles to guide you, first of all, your personal commitments that you've made. Secondly, it needs to be a decision that's led by the Spirit of God. We uh, are to consider and to be led by the Spirit of God as Christians. And, uh, you know, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In 525, he says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And we know that we're supposed to walk in the Spirit. But the problem is, is many Christians uh, want to make their own decisions when it's convenient for them to make their own decision. And then consult God when they feel like God's going to line up with what they want. I mean, that's really where many people are. Uh, They just decide, this is what I want to do, and they'll do it. The old adage of it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. The idea that, well, I know that if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I'm just going to do it. And then if it's not right, I'll ask God to forgive me later. Instead of really allowing the spirit of God to lead us in our decisions and saying, God, is this what you want? And you know as well as I do that we can spiritualize anything. I mean... I'm about to spiritualize getting a Tesla, like right now, you know. <laughs> I mean, whatever we can, we can look at whatever we want to do and find a way to spiritualize it, right? Uh, and, and make it that way, but really, we need to get honest with God and honest with the Holy Spirit and be led by the Spirit of God. So one way to tell if you're being led by the Spirit of God, you can ask yourself, are you motivated by any animosity that's in your heart? If there's any animosity in your heart or any problem there that you look at and say, well, I need to go to a different church because I'm just fed up with Stephanie. I just can't take her smiling anymore. She's too joyful. I've had enough. And she makes me feel guilty every time I look at her. So I'm done with that. Well, obviously, there's a problem there. You've got some animosity, you know, oh, I can't take the, the pastor's dry humor or I can't take his personality, or, you know, the pastor's wife, I've just had enough. Uh, you know, whatever it is, there's different reasons or situations, and I've heard many of them over the years, of why people left a church. So if this is really a spirit-led decision, just ask yourself, is this spirit-led? Well, am I being motivated by animosity or a problem that's... Uh, maybe what about this? Are you running from something, or are you moving towards something? If you're running from a problem, from a situation that's in the church, if If you're running from something, it's probably not a spirit-led decision. If you say, well, it just would be much easier not to have to deal with Brother Lee every time I come in the door. I just, I can't get in the door without him shaking my hand, and he drives me nuts, and so I just, it'd be easier for me to go somewhere else. And so you just leave. 
Well, you're not, it's not a spirit-led decision then. You, you, you need to be spirit-led. If you are working or have to justify your actions, it's probably not spirit-led. I mean, if everybody you talk to, you're trying to explain why and, and justify and, and expound on that, then it's probably not spirit-led. Uh, so you, you have the principle of keeping your word, the principle of being led by the Spirit, the principle, biblical principle of love. The fact is, is forgiveness, love, and unity are the hallmarks of true Christianity. We know the Bible tells us in Matthew 22, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And everybody says amen. We're to love God most of all. Praise the Lord. I can love God and go to a different church. This is true. But he says here, love thy brother as thyself. That is the second commandment, right? And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He's saying these two things right here pretty much sum it up. So the, the, the principle that should guide you when you're making your decision to leave a church is it should be guided by love. By love. What you're doing, is it motivated by love? Is there something there? I wonder how different our churches would be if everybody that made a change made it based on love. If we let love be our guiding principles. With the proliferation of churches that is available to people today, many don't have to live in biblical unity. They can just move down the road and hope they don't run into anybody from that church at the supermarket. You know, they just move to a different, go to a different church and just hope we don't cross paths. Baltimore's big enough. You know, I don't have to shop at uh, Aldi's anymore because I don't want to see so-and-so. I'll go to Giant. Hopefully I'll be there a different time than this person, whatever. You know, (laughs) that's not right. That's not right. There's a problem there in your heart. And if that's why you're moving or changing churches, you need to fix that. We're to be guided by love. Unity should be part of our practice as Christians. 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 10, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Again, unity, unity and love. Um, and I can tell you that with a clear conscience before God, as far as I know, there's nobody that's planning to leave the church. I'm not dealing with some problem or trying to conk somebody on the head. or not. I don't know of anybody. And one of the pastors like, do you have people leaving your church right now? And I said, no, praise God. <laughs> there's people coming to the church right now, and that's wonderful. And I said, at this point, uh, really... Uh, uh, you know, I can teach on this with a clear conscience. I'm not trying to say anybody, as far as I know, we have unity in the church. But we ought to be able to have that choice to love one another should be there. I was talking to Mary last night when we were going to sleep, when we should have been sleeping. It was after midnight, we're just laying in bed talking. And, and I was talking to her about this idea that started cultivating in my heart and mind about the choice to love. And I said, you know, to her, I was just describing many times people talk about the family bond, the bonds that are in family, and they tie it to the blood. That, oh, well, we're we're family, so we have to love one another, we have to forgive one another, we have to do this because we're family. But as I think about it and analyze it, you know, that is a choice that you make. There's a lot of families that don't love one another, right? Right? There's a lot of people that have that family, the blood tie, that doesn't hold them together at all. 
What it really is, is it's a choice. And I, I, I talked to her last night. I'm saying, I, I see it that what happens in a family is because your family, you choose to forgive. Because your family, you choose to let go of that hurt when your brother hurt you. You rejoice with them when they rejoice and you sorrow with them when they sorrow and, and, and you laugh and you have fun and then you cry and then you get hurt and then you forgive and then you laugh and you love and you cry and you hurt and you forgive and, and you go through this journey of life together and that is what builds that family bond that's there no matter what. Well, you know, beloved, you could have that in a church too. But the problem is, is because of the proliferation of churches out there, people just say, you know what, it's easier not to deal with it. So I'm just going to leave this church and go to another one. But the way you get that true family bond is, you know, sometime I'm going to offend Matt. But then Matt comes to me and we talk about it and I say, man, I, I certainly didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. I'm going to try and do better. Matt says, well, Pastor... I forgive you. And uh, I thank him for forgiving me. And we move on together. Just loving one another. Being, being part of the family of God. And you work through that. And then the bond gets closer. And then when they go through some sorrow, a heartache or burden, and I'm there with them and praying with them and walking through them, then that bond gets a little closer. And they rejoice about getting a, a new car and I'm rejoicing with them and, and, and they see me get a new Suburban and they're rejoicing with me. Amen? And you go through that life together and that bond gets stronger. But it's a choice we make. It's a choice. You just have to decide to say, you know what, I'm going to forgive that brother, that sister. I'm going to let love be a guiding principle. Another guiding principle is Stability. We know that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We are to be stable Christians. We are to be faithful Christians. It's counter of a steward that a man be found faithful. We don't want to be church hoppers. There are families that I've seen with all the years that I've been in the ministry that they will be at a church for about two years. I've known this family probably for 25 years. And about the longest they've been at a church is about three years. And they'll move to another church. Not just in town. They'll move across the state. They'll move to another state. They'll go to another different church. Um, and it's amazing how the church is always the problem. Every church they go to, after a year or two, the pastor doesn't do this right. The church doesn't do that right. The church doesn't do this right. And they get up and, they, and there's all these problems there. So they're, they're the spiritual ones and they're going to move to another church. I think there's a pattern there. There's, there's a habit there. You know, the old Limburger cheese story. Guy gets up in the morning and his, or his friends were messing with him and they put Limburger cheese on his upper lip. And he gets up and he's like, man, it stinks in this house. And he goes out and he gets in his car and he's on his way to work. And he's like, man, this car stinks. Gets to work and this, what in the world, what's going on? This job stinks. Go through the day, he's smelling this stink everywhere. And one in about middle of the afternoon, he just yells and he says, the whole world stinks. 
and really Tim the stinks. And that's what happens a lot of times when we get sideways or cross. Um, we want to move around. You know, my dad had a family up in New York that uh, would come to his church about every two years. They would come for a year, and then they would leave and go somewhere else. And about two years later, they showed up. Oh, they're back. Okay. Well, after about the third time, they realized that that's kind of their, their pattern. They don't want to really get settled in or tied in somewhere. They just kind of move around. Went away and came back three or four or five times during the 15 years that he was there in New York. That's not the way we should be. We should be stable. We should be faithful Christians. The modern Christian has lost their sense of commitment and loyalty to the church, which should be a hallmark of our faith. It is promoted by consumerism. Consumerism that has infiltrated our faith. You know, isn't it shocking when you go to the grocery store how many choices there are for ranch dressing? (laughs) I mean, it's ranch. How many different flavors of ranch dressing can you have? And and then, or barbecue sauce. I mean, I love barbecue. And, and man, there's all these barbecue sauces. And, and there, there's 17 different kinds of North Carolina barbecue sauce. That's not even getting into Louisiana barbecue sauce or Texas barbecue sauce or, or the Eastern or, or, you know, the tomato-based or, or uh, mustard-based and, and, or Korean barbecue. Uh, you know, all, there's so many kinds. And everyone is just a tiny bit different, right? Well, isn't that how churches are? Today, people have their, you know, a lot of Christians have their, uh, um, what do you call it, Goldilocks mentality. They want it just right, just right. Can I tell you there's no perfect churches? Every church has problems. There's no perfect pastors, just like there's no perfect church members. But we are called to be faithful, to be consistent, to be stable. So if you're looking at moving or changing a church, let stability be a guide for you, to help you. I want you to know that when you change churches, it can have a drastic effect on your family, on your children. Especially if you don't do it right. Like, Obviously, one of the people I call when I'm looking for wisdom is my father. And I asked my dad about this, and he says, Son, I can tell you this. In 46 years of pastoring, I haven't seen one family that left the church wrong, that their kids turned out for God. And what do you expect when you come to a church and you're telling your kids when you get there, like, man, this is amazing. This is a great church. Look at this pastor. We appreciate him preaching the word. Boy, he's holding the standard high. Boy, we love God and we love the church and things are great. And then all of a sudden they hear, oh, that pastor does this and the pastor does that. And he's not following through with this and we're upset with that. So we're going to leave and we're going to go over to this another church. When you don't do it right, you really impact your family. I'm not saying don't leave a church and that God can't move you. God can, but I think you ought to do it right. With the right spirit, spirit led. With these just biblical principles to help guide you. And then can I give you some practical things, some practices that should guide you? First of all, communication should be used often. 
this will go a long way to helping you maintain a right relationship with the pastor and the staff and the church if you communicate. The, can I tell you the wrong way to do it is to just stop showing up. Just one week, you're no longer there. Nobody knows why. You avoid the pastor for a while. He comes out to visit after a couple weeks and you're not home. He finally meets you somewhere at a grocery store or something. Says, hey, how's it going? Boy, I've been praying for you. I think things all right, you know. Uh, when are we, we going to see you back? And they're like, oh, we left the church. What? Didn't even talk to anybody? Didn't, didn't tell us what's your concern? Didn't give anybody an opportunity? You know, maybe I offended you. Maybe just come and talk to me and, and I can let you know that, yeah, I'm not perfect. I'll be happy to admit that and, and maybe I can make it right if I did something wrong or if somebody else did, let's talk to them and let's get it fixed. If thy brother offend thee, go to him. So communication should be a, a, a guiding practice. You know, just communicate. It goes a long, with, long ways. Support the church and the pastor. Even in the transition or of your time of leaving, work with the pastor about a timing that's right and good for you to go. You see, if you're not leaving because you're mad, then you shouldn't have to leave this Sunday. You know, it ought to be, hey, let's work this, let's work this out. You know, it was about three years ago, Pastor Derek and I first started talking about him going to the pastorate. And I said, you know what? We're still in the middle of this court case. Right now, I don't know if it'd be a good time for you to leave the church. Could you hang out a while? Let us get through this court case. Could you stay here and, and keep serving? If we can get through this court case, I think we'll be in a better place. He said, I can do that. So we at that time started talking about or looking at 2022. It looked like the court case was going to come to a close. And we said, okay, 2022. Little do we know that Amy was going to leave us. <laughs> Amy getting married. And, and uh, it was great to see her down there. And, of course, we're sorry for her loss. But uh, it was good to see her and Michael for a little bit. But, you know, Amy left us. And, I, you know, so I'm like, well, I know we said 2022. But can you wait till? I mean, I don't want you and Amy leaving in June. You know, it might be good if you stick around a little longer than June. Let's, let's say towards the end of the year, maybe. And now I told them, listen, getting on to Christmas, maybe, maybe you ought to wait till next year. <laughs> so if I just keep it going, you know, just kind of, <laughs> maybe he'll never leave, you know. I don't, I don't know. Um, but he's, he has done it right in that he's just communicated and said, hey, what's, what's a good time? Now, some of you might know this, some of you might not, but uh, you know when Clay was here, obviously he's a good friend of mine, and uh, him and his wife were ready to move back to uh, Thailand. They, they wanted to move back, but we were without a pastor. And he said, I won't leave until we get a pastor. And he stayed for over a year as part of this church, being faithful and serving here, for a whole another year, even though in his heart and mind he was ready to move. He was preparing things in Thailand. They're ready to go back there. I mean, that's a big move. But he said, you know what? I want to do what's best for the church. And I'm going to stay here until there's a pastor in place. Maybe that's why he pushed so hard for me to do it, so he could finally get out of here. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm just saying that kind of mentality you do through communication. Just if you have the right heart and spirit, that shouldn't be a problem. Just talk it through. Support the work. 
I mentioned this earlier, but commitments should be observed. And by the way, they should be observed with the right spirit. Um, That means if you have any commitments that you've made, like let's say you've committed to teach a Sunday school class, you've got a kid's class downstairs. You shouldn't just next Sunday not be there. You shouldn't just not show up, or you shouldn't just say, well, I'm, I'm going to a different church, so I no longer have any responsibilities here, so tough luck. I mean, no, if you have a commitment, you ought to work with the church or the leadership and say, hey, uh, we're praying about this move. The time's going to come where we have to go and take care of mom. And this is coming up, so what can we do with this ministry? Is there somebody that can teach this or take this? Uh, next month, maybe they could start at the beginning of the month, or what would work best for you, and just work, work it out. Work the timing out so that you're fulfilling your commitment. You know, you committed to mow the lawn for the summer, continue to get the lawn mowed. You to fulfill your commitments. Here's a really big one that's probably a lot less popular, and that is if you have made a financial commitment to the church, I believe you should fulfill it. Um, I'm not talking about your tithe. Your tithe goes with you wherever you're part of a church. But if you, like we have faith promise missions giving here at the church, and if you have committed to give $20 a week to faith promise missions, and in the middle of this year God moves you, I believe you should continue to give that $20 a week until the end of your commitment. That's what you said. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this until next year. This tell we do faith promise again because the church is establishing their missions budget based on what everybody said they were going to give. And very few people do that. I mean, a lot of times when people step away from a church, whatever commitments they had, whatever they said, it's all gone. The church can't rely on that. But I think if you have a right heart and a right spirit that you will do that. You know, when God moved us out of uh, Lawrence, Kansas, into the ministry, uh, well, we were serving the ministry there. We were hitting the road. I didn't know if God was going to put us in the pastorate or, or where or what he was going to do. At that time, Mary and I had committed to give $100 a week to the building fund. And it was a three-year commitment. And we were about eight months into the first year when God moved us. You know, for the next two years, Mary and I fulfilled that commitment. $100 a week. That's a lot. That's a car payment. We didn't get a new car, but we fulfilled the commitment that we made. Why? Because we still love that church. We still love those people. We want to see that work move forward for God and accomplish what the vision was while I was there. I don't have any animosity towards that ministry or any problem with them. They want to serve God and go on with God. And, and yes, God was moving us, but I still want to help them get where God wants them to go. And so was glad to do that. So I'm not just telling you this is something you should do for here. I'm saying it's something as a Christian we should do regardless of where that commitment was made. We should observe that. Commitment should be observed. Can I say that criticism should be omitted? You know, two wrongs never make a right. And sometimes the pastor is wrong. Sometimes somebody in the church did you wrong. But does it make it right for you to go around and tell other people about it? It doesn't fix the problem, right? All it does is create more problems. All it does is create division in the church. 
all it does is hurt more people. Yet most of the time when people are leaving a church, this is a big part of the actions. And it shouldn't be so. It really shouldn't be. Criticism should be done away with. Proverbs 16, where we see the passage, 16, Proverbs chapter 6, sorry, 16 through 19, where he talks about the six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. He, of course, gives us a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. That's applicable whether you're leaving a church or not. You don't want to be guilty of this abomination, sowing discord among the brethren. You say, well, you don't know what he did to me. Two wrongs never make a right. Somebody might have mistreated you. Something might have been done wrong. But for you to compound that with more wrong does not help. It doesn't make it right. If you have to go, then go quietly. Can I tell you a modern way of doing this? is as wicked as can be. I think it's even worse. And that's when you take to Facebook and criticize, ridicule, or knock down, even in a veiled way, where everybody that knows you knows what you're talking about. When you're putting it out there in the public domain, this is how anybody with any spiritual discernment knows that you're not right with God. Because you don't care about the damage to the cause of Christ as long as you get to vent. That's wicked. It's hurting churches. It's hurting pastors. It's hurting ministries. Ultimately, it's hurting the cause of Christ to reach more people. By this shall men know you are my disciples when ye love the brethren. And when you take conflict between you and somebody else in the church or you and the pastor out into the public domain, you're hurting the cause of Christ. All criticism like that needs to be done away with. God moves you. Why is it that we can't just move quietly? Why is it we can't just say, you know what? I believe it's time. I wish them the best. I want them to go on and serve God and do what for me and my family. This is what I believe for me to be able to have a clear conscience before God and to be able to minister. We need to, we need to move. You know, one telltale sign is uh, how many people are you trying to take with you? 90% of the time, maybe more than that, when somebody's not right in their spirit, they're trying to take other people with them. They're talking to them and saying, hey, this is wrong, this is wrong, this shouldn't be this way. Uh, don't you think we should go to a different church? Why? Because then they're justified in their actions. And that shouldn't be with a heart that's right. With a heart that has a right heart and right spirit and ultimately wants to please God. This, of course, all this criticism is a violation of the principle of love. We should never gossip with others about the ministry or their pastor or anybody else. The 
there's many good people still at the church that are going to continue to serve God and try and reach more people. And you know what? The church is going to move on and they're still going to see souls saved. And yeah, maybe somebody is an idiot there. Maybe they didn't do something right. But the work will still go on. And you don't want to be responsible for damaging or hurting it. Uh, lastly this evening, let me give you people that should support you. I couldn't come up with a G for this one, for the support. <laughs> I tried. There is no. The closest thing I could find was GERD. You know, like gird, like to gird up. Like that's just a little bit to support, right? But it doesn't quite fit, so I left it off. <laughs> but... You're going to like this point. Well, maybe you won't. I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing is we need to understand, church, that God moves people. That sometimes it happens. God will take somebody from a good church and move them to another good church. And that's okay. And we should support them in that action. You know, it's amazing to me how when somebody comes from a church to our church, that they must be spiritual Christians. They must be on fire for Jesus. Oh, it's wonderful to have you come on in, be part of our fellowship. Well, they came from somewhere. Unless you happen to reach them out on door knocking and soul winning and praise God for those opportunities. But when somebody comes to the church, it's amazing how we look at them and welcome them with their open arms and say, hey, praise God, it's great to have you. You must be seeking truth because we preach the truth. But then when God moves them from here, they're sinners. They're not right with God. They must be backslidden. Surely they would never leave this church if, if they were spiritually minded or right with God. Why is that? What I'm saying is we've got to be careful about that spirit. We've got to watch that and, and control our heart and mind and, and keep a biblical mindset about it. Because God does move people sometimes for various reasons. And me as the pastor and you as a church member, we can't know what God's will is for somebody's life. We can give them principles. We can help guide them. But ultimately, they are the only ones responsible before God and they are the only ones that know what God's will is. We need to support them. Now, you understand, of course, I'm not talking about somebody that's out in sin somebody that goes away, if we don't support the sin, we don't want to support the sin, but we should still support the sinner. We've got to keep a biblical perspective on that as well. You know, they need to always know there's a place to come back to. We shouldn't support the sin. We don't, we don't want to be a party to that. You know, the, the father of the prodigal was not sending his son money to party with. But he was waiting at home ready for as soon as the son wanted to come back. And that's how the church should function. We should be able to let people leave, even that are falling into sin, not supporting the sin, letting them know that what they're doing is not right. And listen, we don't want to see you go that way. But at the same time saying, listen, we're here for you. We're for you. We love you. We want to see you do right. I can't support this activity, but if you ever want to quit it or you ever need a friend, we're here for you. So that they know if the night comes when they, as the prodigal did, they, he said he came to himself, he realized, whoa, 
what am I doing? If that night comes in some sinner's life, they'll say, you know what? The people at Hunt Valley Baptist Church extended their love to me even when I walked away from them. Even when I went out and went against what they were saying, they still showed their love. They still loved me enough, so I'm going to go back there. So we've got to have that for people that even might be going the wrong direction that we look at and say, but we need them to know that we still love them. Pastors have to be careful about this idea of people leaving. It hurts when, when you leave. It hurts when a church member decides to go. Regardless of whoever it is, it, it, it hurts. A pastor that has a true pastor's heart, and they, they, they go, and, and it can be hurtful, it can be hard. It impacts you personally on a personal level. You feel like, what in the world? I can't, I can't do anything right. I can't. Uh, I, don't, I don't understand, Lord. So it's very hard sometimes. And sometimes I think pastors, because they're, because they're hurt personally, they, they react incorrectly. But we know what we, what we need to realize is it's God's church. It's God's people. They're... You know, we do talk about them, you know, being, you know, my people or the pastor's people or whatever. It's God's church, it's God's people. And God can do what he wills with them. God can lead them, God can move them, and we've got to be careful. You know, it, I think about this from a pastor standpoint, and you know, it's okay for God to take a pastor and move him from this ministry to another ministry. We say, oh, that's fine. He's going to go serve here or go do that or God's called him to help ministry or, or to missionary or evangelist now or whatever. Then as pastors, we need to realize it's okay if God moves God's people. Maybe, you know what's amazing? I can give you a very clear example and I've got to wrap this up. But an example of how God brings people to a church to be fitly joined for a particular thing. I believe it with everybody but in our church, we have a very, very clear example. And now my mind just went blank. The, uh, help me out, the, the welder whose wife, they lived down. Will Hyde, Brother Will Hyde. Brother and Sister Will Hyde came to our church right when we were just starting this building project. And they loved the church. They were excited about it. They were here. They were serving. And Brother Wilhide is a certified welder. And we had to get beams to put in the foyer out here. And he works on bridges. And he's like, oh, I can get those beams for you exactly. Tell me what the specs are. And, and we didn't have to think about it or figure it out. He just, oh, I'll have them delivered. No problem. And I'll come out there with my equipment. We'll get it all welded up. It is all fit inside of code and did exactly what was needed. He was here. And did you know about three months later, they were gone. He started getting work out of town and was gone a lot. And it was hard for her to drive up here to church all by herself, especially late at night and that kind of stuff. And she's like, I want to go to church close so I can be active. And they still love our church. Even to this day, they love our church. 
Occasionally, Mary and I will get a call from them and say, hey, how are things doing? Oh, my goodness, the kids are so big. And, and we'll talk. And Mary and I have gone out there and had dinner with them a couple times. And the Will Hides, you know, I mean. But I look at that and say, God brought them to this church for that window because that's what the church needed. And God does that with people. And then God said, you know what? There's somewhere else that they're needed. And as a pastor, I can say, no, 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 no. They're needed here, God. <laughs> we need them here. Uh, and, and, but we've got to let God do what he wills with the church. And God puts the church together. And if we're going to believe that, we've got to believe it both ways. When God brings people and God lets people go. And we need to continue to love and support people even though they maybe have moved away. So I praise God for that. Some simple thoughts about what to do in, if, if you ever have to leave a church. Very practical truths, but hopefully it can be a help to you.